What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, it's Lucas. I got Chris here, my co-host, and I got Uriah, our producer. Rough game the Sixers just had against the Cavaliers. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a couple other things. Rough game though, guys. How are we feeling after all that? Poor. <laughs> Not ideal. I feel like I wasted two and a half hours of my life. It was bad. I turned it off in, at the beginning of the fourth. For those that did follow the Twitter feed, that was Chris, by the way. That was not me. So for all the pro James yeah. Harden stuff, that was, that was Chris. Hey, look, not, yeah. not all is bad in life. You know, we just had Christmas, right? How was everybody's Christmas? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great time. Yeah. No, I had a great Christmas. Uh, hope, hope you all did, too. I had a nice Christmas. Opened some really nice gifts. But I, over the past few days since I've last talked to you guys, I've developed this really new skill I'd like to tell you about. After all these years, I've learned to um, dominate in something called fantasy basketball. And I thought you guys would mm. want to hear that. I don't want to hear it, Uriah. Hey, look, I'm I'm the reigning champ of our league, and I, I don't plan to give up that title. So oh, oh, okay, you can hold have up, your, hold your first week. That's fine. Good for you. No, yeah, was, but no, don't no, expect no, no, it to Let me pause you guys right there. Chris only won because the season got stopped halfway through. Oh, rankings. That's the exactly truth. what happened. The don't truth let you guys, don't let him fool you guys. He only got it based Luka, off of first place I rankings. I had Luca and LeBron on the same team, as though I wouldn't have continued to dominate. Don't give me that crap. Playoffs are a sticky monster, and who? And actually, I'm pretty sure that uh, didn't Luca wasn't he about like wasn't he dealing with shin splints when that when the season stopped? So wasn't that perfect timing for you? I don't care. I had LeBron, and who no, else? Plenty. I had LeBron. I don't know. I had a lot of people. Don't yes, I don't know how my roster. Definitely injured for most of last season. For people listening, obviously we have a fantasy basketball league going on. Myself, Chris, and Lucas are are involved. We're owners. And, and Chris, I don't know how you I don't know how you got this lineup. He has Chris has Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Car Anthony Towns, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, and Al Horford. Just had Domas. To... <laughs> Enough about fantasy basketball. We need to get into Sixers basketball. So Chris, go ahead, take us away with the three games this past week. Yeah, so the Sixers have played their first three games of the year. We are podcasting directly after the uh, Cleveland game, as we said earlier. But we're going to start on a positive note and start with the Wizards game on opening night, a game the Sixers won. Uh, I wouldn't say decisively, but they they pulled it out down the stretch quite effectively. Uh, So, Lucas, just good and bad, what stood out to you most in, in that game? spacing guys it's back it's back in philadelphia with danny green seth 
Curry and Shake Milton coming on. You still have Cork Moss. You can stretch the floor inconsistently, but can. Space is going to do good things for Joel and Ben, and that's exactly what happened in this game. Joel had 29 points, 14, 14 rebounds. Ben had a solid a Ben stat line of 16, 9, and 7 with two steals and three blocks. It's what we expect from those two. And it was, a you know, like Chris said, it wasn't super. It was, a, what, a six-point spread at the end? But, mm-hmm. you know, it was a win. That was a good there. Um, but, Chris, what was the bad there? Yeah, I mean, I think Washington was the most glaring example of them still kind of adjusting to Doc Rivers' system. The starting lineup didn't look too great that game. Uh, a lot of Philadelphia's best runs came with the second unit on the floor. And, you know, transition defense was really bad. They didn't really get back and defend the room like they needed to. But but overall, like you said, Joel looked good. Ben looked like Ben. Uh, Shake had probably his best game of the season so far, 19 points. Tyrese looked really good in the few minutes he got. So there, there were definitely some positives. Can we just talk about really quick how bad Tobias Harris looked in that game? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 10 points, 8 rebounds, 2 turnovers, 4 fouls. Shot 3 of 13 from the floor. Failed to convert any of his 4 three-point attempts. He just did not look like he was, well, as post-game presser, as Doc said, he wasn't being decisive. Yeah. And it was just a bad look. It was a bad start for Tobias. But you know what? I think he had a pretty decent second game, right, Chris? I don't know. I, I would just like to say this about Tobias. Like, the argument that that he's treated unfairly because of his contract or held to an unfair standard or whatever is ridiculous to me. Like, no one's blaming him for signing the contract. No one's like he shouldn't have signed it because he knew he would be... Like, no one's saying that. Obviously, that falls on, like, Elton Brand and management. But he's like a $15 million a year player taking up $34 million in cap space. And when you're trying to build a contender, that's a real problem. So, like, he, he's got to step it up. I would say he's more than worth more than $15 million. I'd say at least $20 million, But, you know, agree to disagree there. Guess. It's really situational. He's just not a good fit on this team at all. No, nah, not when you can see Ben more, much more as a natural four and Tobias as a four. So, I don't know what... Elton Brand was thinking there in terms of fit, but um, yeah, but but the next game, you know, Sixers won by twenty. It was pretty decisive in that one. Not really much doubt at all. Um, New York is just a, a dumpster fire. Naturally, they beat Milwaukee by like twenty tonight, I think. But in general, the Knicks are not a very good team, and that showed through. I think that was probably the biggest takeaway from that game is that the Knicks are bad. But, uh, Lucas, what, what were your thoughts on that from the Sixers' point of view? Well, Tobias was a, a little bit more decisive that game. He had the best plus-minus of plus 32 out of all the Sixers. 17 points, 5 rebounds, uh, 50% shooting from the floor, 40% shooting from three-point line. Much more efficient. Um and, you know, I don't think we're going to see 20-point-per-game score Tobias, especially with Doc Rivers wanting him to be decisive with his moves and him not being the first primary option on this team. But if he's more, you know, decisive and more efficient, that's a win for the Sixers. Yeah, like, even in that game, which, like you said, like, statistically, it was a pretty solid outing for Tobias. I still found myself, like, standing up and screaming at the TV half the time he touched the basketball. Like, he's easily the person I do that with most, where it's just like, what are you doing, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I posted from the this team account that meme of, like, the lady doing math equations in her head. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, that that's really what Tobias does every time he catches the ball. <laughs> he just passes up open shots, thinks way too hard about it, dribbles into nowhere, and then either turns it over or forces up a bad shot. And it's really annoying. Like, the Sixers need quick trigger shooters or quick decision makers who just move the ball and keep it snappy and that's the last that's just not who Tobias is he's much better with the ball in his hands like running out of pick and rolls getting downhill doing stuff like that and that's just not his game in Philly with Ben and Joe he's just really not a good fit and uh, I think the first two games have just confirmed what we've already known about that I should note Chris that he didn't have any turnovers against the Knicks 
Yeah, I know. I, I but I mean, we've watched him play. We we understand yeah. that. No, no, I get what you're saying too. Um, I think the other positives that we can take away from that is that Seth Curry started to find his range. Danny Green. Actually, no, I need to talk about Danny Green here. The, these first three games, He's there's a reason player. why we were able to get off of Al Horford for Danny Green, and it's because Danny Green's it, it looks like he's over the hill. Now I'm not, you know, I'm not ready to write that in ink yet. Uh, uh it's I think it's starting to become pretty evident. He's only I think two out of three games he played under 20 minutes. And it's it's not a good look for Green. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he was. I think he was pretty good in the next game. Like defensively, he had four steals. Defensively, yes, but offensively, the shots uh, gone. The shots still there. I mean, he hasn't taken a bunch. He's he's not a creator or anything. He never has been. I don't think that. I mean, he's not going to score a lot of points. That's just not his game. But I mean, he's still Danny Green. I think he's going to be fine. He didn't play twenty minutes in the Cavs game because the Sixers were down by thirty at the end of the third quarter. But fair. Yeah, the first game was a little weird where he only played at the start of both halves. But, I, I mean, I think he's fine. He, he's just Danny Green. It, it's just that. Of course, he's not going to be an Al Horford-level talent, per se. But it just fit-wise, I think it's still an upgrade. I'm, I'm going to say this, Chris. Right now, he is 2 for 11 from the three-point line this season. Granted, yeah. it's only three games in, but it's, it's not. Steph Curry is like 3 of 24. So, like, it, it'll get better. Guys go through cold spells. It's it's really not a big thing, I don't think. He's six of fourteen, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, six of twenty-four, right? I don't think it's six of fourteen. <laughs> no, no, six of okay. So he won one of five from the first game, three of four in the second game, and two of five from the fifth grade game. Really? Okay. Well, I yeah. must have just Steph Curry is now four of twenty-three from three not over the Steph. season's not first Steph, nine quarters. Steph. Yeah, I'm talking about Steph. I was just giving an oh. example of a good shooter having a down. Oh, okay. Steph. Oh, okay. It, well, my bad. Steph is being triple teamed because they have nobody we had, else. We had a Curry on the team now. We can't. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it is what it is. I think he'll no. get better. I don't think it's oh, yeah. anything to panic about. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So okay, Chris. Uh, the Cavs. Yeah. yeah, it's time. I don't know if there's much to, to say about it. You know, they were down by 30 at one point. Both teams were playing the second half of a back-to-back after traveling, so there's really no excuse. Uh, Cleveland played in double overtime in Detroit last night, so they, if anything, they should have been the more tired team. Obviously, Philly didn't have Joel Embiid, and that's always a, a big, big issue. But, I mean, again, like, new coach – new players hypothetically and they they still look like garbage when Embiid's not out on the floor I think that's a bit of a problem uh what were your thoughts Lucas well I'm I'll say this I'll say two things one the Sixers aren't the only good team that got blown out tonight the Bucks got spanked by the Knicks and yeah the Nets got beat by the Hornets like so okay so it's a weird night in the NBA that's that's one thing uh, yeah, but two, the Cavaliers are three and zero. Like JD Bickerstaff has done an amazing job coaching these young guys. He's brought the best out of Colin Sexton, and defensively they've been pretty solid. So I mean, yeah, I can't be too mad in terms of like the Cavs. I think are going to surprise a lot of people if they keep on playing like this. Andre Drummond's playing at an All Star level. Colin Sexton scoring like an All Star. Not you know, rest of his game needs work, but scoring wise, he's there. Um, they're probably not going to get off of Kevin Love's contract because he just, he looks horrible. But everybody else is playing pretty good. Um, you got Larry Nance Jr. playing good. City Osmond's coming off the bench well. Um, what's their Isaac Coros, a solid rookie. Like and uh, Dante Exum is actually playing, in my opinion, some of the best basketball of his career with the Cavs. So. And Darius Garland's, you know, took another step in his game. So, like, yeah. the Cavs, I think, are a lot better than people need to give them credit for. So, I, I guess. I mean, like, I know it's the Cavs. I know it's the Cavs, but. Like, that double overtime no game reason. was them almost losing to Detroit. It's not like they've been world beaters. 
they're not. Tonight, I'm not apparently. saying that they're going to be like a factor in the Eastern playoffs, but you know, they're not a. I don't think they're as bad as people. I think they're going to play hard every night, and I think yeah. they caught the six. The they, the Sixers were like, oh well, they're the same old caps. We don't need Joel, and they got mm-hmm. caught with the, metaphorically their pants down. Or if you're Paul Pierce playing deep, uh, being defended by Ron Artest, it's actually with your pants down because Ron Artest did that. Um, yeah, and yeah, you're right. That that was a reference for you because I know you watch you you watched basketball back then in the early 2000s when me and Chris were still youngins. Yeah, yeah, I'm the old man here. Let me jump in here and just say that wasn't even a game. And I hear what you're saying, Lucas, about other teams losing, but this is the Cavs, man. This this is the Cavs. And if we have an all-defensive player, all-third-team NBA all-star who thrives in the open court, perfect time to demonstrate those great skills when your big man's not playing, and they lay an egg. So I feel as though this was probably a big waste of my life in terms of the two and a half hours I spent watching. Yeah, I mean, like, this is my winter break. I only get a few weeks off before the semester starts back up again. And I just spent two and a half like hours just sitting on the couch, like slumped over, like sad. Hey, Not Chris, great. Chris, 44 and 17 would have looked nice on the right. six years lineup. That's what I'm oh, saying. Gosh. 44 and 17. We'll I save that for later, though. Oh I, gosh, yeah. can we can we not and get like, to that point until we get to that point? I'm not I'll ready just, to hear. From I'll you guys just today. say this: like this is not the first time Philly has laid an egg against a bad team when Joe has set out. This is not the first time that Ben has failed to step up in Joe's absence. I mean, this was by all accounts a game that he should have dominated. Like you said, Uriah, they're built with more shooters. A guy who can run the floor with him and Dwight. The Cavs have nobody who should capably defend Ben Simmons. I mean, Cleveland is a god-awful defensive team. I, this, I, Ben's got to do better than, like, 15-6 and six with six turnovers. That That's just not going to cut it. Obviously, this is just one game, and the whole team didn't have it tonight, but it's, it's not ideal. So, in terms of... Okay, so yeah, Chris, you are right. I wanted to make sure you were right about the Cavs being an awful defensive team there. They're ranked 19th in points allowed. So, yeah, you're right there. I wasn't sure, but, yeah. Sixers are actually ranked sec- second on a side note, so that's cool. Um, Is that for this season? Yeah, that's for this season. They've, yeah. uh, and, I mean, they, they haven't counted tonight's stats. Yeah, I mean, I think it's super early. I, the Cavs are going to be worse than 19th when the season's over. They're, like... This year. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Like Drummond's fine, but no one else on their roster is fine. Isaac Okoro. Yeah. Is I mean he's a rookie. Probably. He's how much of a difference, you know, can, can Matisse Leibel was a rookie last year. Yeah. And he wasn't the reason the Sixers had an elite defense. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Like put Matisse on Cleveland last year and they're still like one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But like I said, I like their, I like their, uh, their, I like JD Biggerstaff as their coach, and I think it's just one of those nights this that the Sixers laid an egg, and it happens sometimes. They the Sixers like last year don't play up to their competition, yeah. and that's the mentality. Um, it happens. Thing. It happens a little too often, in my opinion. But yeah. Okay. Well, the season's still young. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, shift gears because, you know, one of the things that fans have been kind of worried about, and I think it's fair that we're all kind of worried about this too, is Doc Rivers' substitution uh, patterns. So, Chris, what is your thoughts in terms of his uh, substitution patterns so far this season? Yeah, my my probably greatest joy of this weekend was posting something along the lines of we might have to start a dialogue about Doc's rotations on the Twitter page. And then linking it to the Clipperholics account, our sister site who covers the Clippers and all their wonderful followers and supporters, like just laughing their butts off about us already complaining about Doc's rotations. <laughs> um, it's not great. He has, very, I mean, he very clearly wants to see what Ben and Joe do together. We talked about this a little bit before the pod, uh, Lucas. You were saying that 
maybe this is just Daryl and Doc seeing how well they look together before they make a decision or maybe trading Ben. I don't know if that's the case, but we've seen a lot of just the second unit entirely with Joe, Tobias, and Ben all on the bench um, at the same time for extended stretches, which is risky business. I don't know how long that will be the case. It would probably change in the playoffs, hypothetically, and it's really early. Obviously, a condensed training camp. They might just be trying new things still. It's probably too early to like press the panic button, but it's been a bit strange. And Doc's history, recent history, as far as rotation decisions go, is not great, as everyone who is a fan of the Clippers has been quick to remind us. So I, I do think there's at least reason to like keep an eye on it. I remember, and I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but I know your eye does. Um, back when this when Doc took over the Celtics and they made the championship run, Doc would very rarely have his starters in with the backups. He usually ran a completely second unit, you know, no starters in there, or maybe one, depending on like maybe Kendrick Perkins or Rajon Rondo, but none of his three stars were usually with the second units. You know, you usually had Glenn Davis, James Posey, Eddie House all in for the big three. And so this is not this has been a it's not just a Clippers thing, it's a Doc Rivers thing. And Doc Rivers has always done this, at least back as far back I can remember. You're I do, I don't know if he did this with the magic. You could speak more to that because I don't remember the, back to that point, but um No, I, I I can't I can't recall, I'll be honest with you. Um Okay. So yeah, we'll have to go to the internet for that one, buddy. Fair enough. But so it's always been a pattern for Doc. And like like you said, uh, we did talk about this. I think it could be just that, you know, they want to see how well Joel and Ben play together. So they want to get as many minutes as possible. It might be early on the season. And I think this is part of the reason why Doc has had so many six minutes of the year, because he's relied on one person in that second unit to create all the offense for that second unit. Uh, now it should be. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Shake Milk can do it because he's only done it for one game so far, guys, against the Wizards. Uh, against the Knicks, he only had 10 points in 23 minutes. And then against the Cavs tonight, gosh, he was not good at all. He had six points in 22 minutes. So, it, like you said, Chris, it might not last very long, to be honest. Um, but yeah. It, it I mean, seems, like I said, it's a reverse thing that he's always done, as, as far back as I can remember. Yeah, I mean, even if it is a reverse thing, it, it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. Or, like, the Sixers don't have Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, or Jamal Crawford. They don't have Glenn Davis, Eddie House, etc. Like, that's just not the state of their bench right now. They have Shake, mm-hmm. who's fairly new to this level of responsibility and a rookie in Tyrese Maxey and Furkan Korkmaz and Mike Scott, who have been much maligned in the Sixers fandom of late, and, and Dwight Howard. So it, it's just not the same. This isn't a very good bench group. They they looked good against the Wizards, but I wouldn't expect that to be the case every game. Uh, so it, it just might not be as sustainable until changes are made to the roster. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just one of those things that you got to... I'm sure... Daryl Morey's taking notes, and he knows how Doc Rivers likes his substitution patterns, so he might try to go get himself a, a more dynamic score to come off the bench versus Shake Milton. So we'll have to wait and see on that. It's very possible. And I guess we're going to move on now and talk about some mm-hmm. recent quotes. And I think the most notable of these quotes is one from Joel Embiid discussing his place among the top centers in the NBA. He said, quote, I agree that Anthony Davis had a better season than me. Jokic, that's debatable, but Rudy Gobert, no offense. He had 15 and 13, and I had 23 and 12. That's kind of a big difference. I'll be honest, I did not see this quote until I saw it in the agenda. Uh, that's mm-hmm. quite, quite the take. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't find the ride because I did not see that until now. No. But, Lucas, where does Embiid fit? in your mind, in the conversation of the top centers? Oh, gosh, this is a tough one. Because if we're going just based off of that last season, he's probably third. But if we're going, like, overall career and, like, we know how high he can play at and where he's playing at right now, I'd say second. It depends on it depends on if you consider Anthony Davis a full-time center, and I don't. 
Mm-hmm. I don't. He doesn't play. He doesn't start at center. Yes, he get, ends the game at center, but he doesn't start at center. He doesn't like to be a center. So if we're going, if we're going with best center and we take out Anthony Davis, then I say Joel's probably number a uh, tied for number one because Jokic does so many things offensively. It's the passing game is just so unreal, and and beats such a better defender than Jokic. So it's kind of like a, a split there for me personally. There's like 1A and 1B. Joel's 1A. Jokic is 1B. Uh, and then number two, you have... Ooh, that's a tough one. I Honestly, I might have to say Bam. Well, actually, no. I'll say Carl Anthony Towns right now because Carl Anthony Towns actually has played pretty good defense in the first two games this season. Um, and if he can keep it up after he gets ba- back from his... Uh, I think he dislocated his wrist. So after he gets back from that, you know, if he keeps up that level of defensive intensity and still is the offensive player, he can be. He's number two in my number two in my book. Bam's number three, and Gobert's number four. So those would be my top five if I had to think of them off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're cutting AD out, I, I mean, I I give the edge to Jokic personally just because he's done more i guess at this point but like you said joe is joe's right up there i think it's a pretty close call i think there's a very real argument for joe at number one he obviously has the talent to be number one um and i think there's a pretty big gap between him maybe not a huge gap between him and bam for me but i I think i think him and Jokic are pretty clearly one and two in whatever order you want um i put bam at three cat at four and probably go bear at five yeah, but uh, I mean, I, to go back to Joe's quote, I I think that's a bit disrespectful to Gobert. Like, obviously, his he's not going to score as many points, but Rudy's a pretty pretty great player. Um, he's like he guarantees you one of the top defenses in the league, and he's pretty great on offense, even if he doesn't have all the flashy moves that Joe does. As like a complimentary star next to someone like Donovan Mitchell, he's really great. That's just a finisher and a guy who can can do stuff in the post. So I, I don't think Rudy deserves the shade necessarily. <laughs> I, I, I kind of think of Rudy as kind of like that Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan hybrid. Like he's athletic as high as Howard was, but I mean, I mean, defensively dominant as Howard was, but more athletic and like a rim, you know, finisher around the rim, like Jordan was, you know what I mean? When they were in their primes. Like, yeah, I, think I mean, I, I think Gobert's a different athlete than those guys. He's just bigger and longer, less 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 explosive, and more just like big and long and tall. But yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Fair enough. Lucas, obviously, uh-huh. Embiid has gotten off to a pretty quick start these first two games. Um, do you think he has any shot at competing for MVP this season? Uh, it it could happen. Um, we got to see how. I mean, honestly, I think the season's MVP is either going to go to Anthony Davis or Luka Doncic. I don't think LeBron's going to try to get one in the regular season. I think people are going to start falling out of love with Giannis. So I think it's either going to be AD or Luka. Mm-hmm. Or, well, I'll say this. Kevin Durant has a chance at it, too. Um, so that... That could be interesting, but um, I would say those were my top three candidates um, early on. Not saying that Joel can't be, but I just don't think unless the Sixers have like the top seed in the East, I don't think he's going to get it because the only big man I can see voters going for is AD, just because yeah. big men haven't won an MVP since who was it last Shaq? Shaq well, was the last I mean, center to get. Giannis is a big. Yeah, but he's a power forward. I'm saying like pure center. Well, AD's kind of playing power forward too. Yeah, I mean, true, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I do. And I I agree. Like he can be in the conversation the same way that like Damian Lillard and Jokic are in the conversation. Like mm-hmm. he can probably be top 10, maybe top five, but I don't think he's going to crack that like top end group. Like MVP is normally reserved for like, three or four guys like it's going to be Luca and LeBron and Giannis and KD if he's KD uh like James Harden 
we don't know what's going to happen with him, but he's still going to put up numbers. Like those are the guys that are going to be in conversation for MVP. And I don't think Joe's going to crack that group, but yeah, unless he averages like 30 and 15, it's not happening, but I'm proud of you, Chris. You didn't yeah. put the caveat if James Harden gets traded. So I'm proud of you there. Yeah. I mean, he, he could get traded or not get traded. He's still probably going to be in the conversation. No, no, no. I'm talking about traded to the Sixers. Yeah. If he does get traded to the Sixers, then he's going to be their front runner for MVP. Yeah. All right. Um, another quote. This is more of a lighthearted comment from Doc Rivers um, after the Knicks game, I believe, or was it the Wizards game? Uh, ben and Dwight Howard went out to the court to take shots together. I believe it was the Wizards game. But uh, ben, and, ben and Dwight were practicing jumpers out on the floor after the game. Uh, Doc said, quote, that got me nervous that Dwight was his shooting coach last night. I'm going to reassess my staff. Obviously, that was not a serious comment. Again, like, have to double down on that. Don't don't take it out of context. But uh, Lucas, what did you make of Simmons and, and Dwight shooting around after the game? Do you think there's anything big to take away from that? Um, no, I don't think it's a big takeaway. There's a takeaway to take from it. It's the takeaway that Dwight Howard's really becoming the, the leader of this team and trying to keep his his the two stars accountable with Ben trying to get him to shoot more often. Uh, Dwight has all-star and, you know, defensive player of the year, you know, charisma about him. You know, he's a superstar in this league in his prime. And now he under, you know, he's matured through the struggles that he went through during his early thirties. And now he's that vocal leader that the Sixers need. Can't believe I'm saying that after, you know, past like four seasons for Dwight, but you know, he's, he, it's a takeaway in the fact that he's trying to get Ben more comfortable. And he's like, well, if I do with you, Ben, like I'm not a shooter, but you know, got to get out there, got to put in the work. And that's, that's the takeaway. I doubt, I don't think Dwight's going to get Ben to shoot three pointers. Dwight is not the guy to do that. I think literally only LeBron James himself could get Ben to shoot three pointers. So, you know, um, yeah. I think if LeBron could, um, I don't know, but I think in terms of team leadership, it's a sign that Dwight is the clear cut leader. He's trying to encourage his young stars. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a positive from the perspective that Dwight is being a good leader and really holding these guys accountable, reaching out to them one-on-one, et cetera. But like, like you said, th- I, I don't think this is particularly important. I, I know some people tend to, like, stretch their brains whenever Ben does anything relating to a jump shot. Like, it's pretty clear that Doc Rivers does not care about Ben's jumper. It's clear that Ben does not care about Ben's jumper. And shooting with Dwight after the game isn't going to make him start shooting those in the game. Like, it's just, it's not really something to talk about in that context. Uh, it, it's like it is what it is with Ben. I don't. I don't think we're really going to get anything notable on that front. But it, it, it's good to see Dwight, you know, being the type of leader that he's been. I think he's some, like you said, it's something the Sixers really needed, and it's somewhat surprising that it's coming from him. But he's been, I think, one of the biggest positives so far through the first few games, first few weeks um, of this mm-hmm. new team. In terms of what would maybe get a bigger reaction and be more notable, possibly Lucas. How happy do you think fans would be if it was Joel who was out on the court shooting with him versus Dwight? Oh, I think it would make fans go absolutely nuts. I think that they would be excited. But like we said, Dwight, I don't think it's going to – Joel shooting with Ben is not going to make Ben want to shoot. Ben's the only guy that's going to make Ben want to shoot. Or maybe LeBron James because he has such high respect for LeBron. But let's, let's be real. I mean, it would be great. It'd be good for their chemistry. It'd be good for the, you know, be like, oh, well, Joel and Ben, they're shooting together. That's great. That means that everything must be good and they're, they're building more chemistry. And yeah, that might be true, but it's not going to help Ben in terms of his actual shooting. Hey, we, yeah. we didn't mention we didn't mention the fact that they rang the bell together on the first night. That's that, something positive, even though they yeah. didn't look particularly yeah. thrilled about it. <laughs> I mean, would you want to ring a bell in an empty arena? Yeah, but they know they're on TV, and that that they said here's an interesting fact that the game against the Wizards was the highest rated uh, Sixers game I think 
ever in terms of uh, opening game for, for a season. So I think fans are really anticipating some exciting basketball. But to your question about how would fans do, I think there would be a parade down Broad Street. I think they would confetti from City Hall if those two were practicing together um, alone in the gym. That would that would be great. I, I would love to see that. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be nice to see, and I definitely think it would excite people. But same with the Dwight thing. I don't know if it would be particularly important. Like, it wouldn't really matter. It wouldn't really say anything, I don't think. Like, it's clear they're never going to be, like, best friends. It's never going to be, like, a game CJ thing in Portland or a Steph Clay thing where they're just, like, best buddies on and off the court. And that's fine. They don't need to be. I don't think chemistry is a real issue there. And, like, it'd be nice if they worked together. It'd be good PR, but uh, there's really not... There aren't too many situations where, like, you should read into who someone is practicing with after a game. Mm-hmm. It's just... It, it, it's really just not something to worry about, I don't think. Unless it's Jimmy Butler and Joel. Yeah. Yeah. If it's Jimmy coming out of the heat locker room and getting up to him with Joe, then maybe we can have <laughs> not, a Not what I meant, but... <laughs> No, not I get what you're saying. No, no, not what I meant. I'm talking about when that one. Remember during the playoffs, Jimmy only did press conferences with Joel and vice versa. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. what I was referring miss to. But yeah, no, I miss Jimmy too. And then we wouldn't be in this conversation that we're in the spot we're in right now. Felton didn't mess up. Yeah. All right. But moving on, so Uriah came up with this next point, and I feel like this is his and Chris's way of trying to gang up on me. So wish me luck in this next topic, because there will be debate here. We're going to talk about who's the better fit, Simmons or Harden. So Chris, for the Sixers, would Ben Simmons' defense be more valuable than James Harden's offense? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Come Would on, you like to elaborate on that? What? What? I mean, what do we need to say here? Like, Ben is not the most valuable defender on this team. We've seen that some of the Sixers' best groups are when Joe is surrounded by, by four shooters. Like Embiid himself, pretty much guarantees you a competent defense. Like he's right up there with Gilbert in terms of just like single-handedly making your team good at defense. Ben is a tremendous perimeter defender. I think we all value what Ben brings in terms of deflections, in terms of guarding the opposition's best perimeter threat, etc. But, like, when it's just been on the floor with a bunch of bad defenders, the Sixers are a mess. He, he can't single-handedly hold together a defense like Joe can. And James Harden is one of the probably five best offensive players ever to touch a basketball. So, you know, it's just... It, it's not the same. I think Harden would elevate Embiid if they, they got along. And I think Ben does not necessarily elevate Embiid. Embiid elevates Ben defensively in terms of, like, giving him room to do what he does and take risks. Like, obviously, they elevate each other. They're both great players. But I don't think it's the symbiotic relationship in the same way that Embiid and Harden could develop a symbiotic relationship. So it's interesting that you said that if Joel and Harden get along, because Harden has not had a great track record. And if they didn't get along, I don't think it would really matter. I'll put that out too. Like they'd probably still be really good. Maybe I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see about that. But you know, so I think we. It's fair to say that Ben Simmons is the most versatile defender in the NBA, probably one of the most versatile defenders in in the history of the game, at least top. 10, I would say, right now. Wouldn't you say, Chris? Yeah. I mean, Ben's a great defender. He's the defensive player of the year candidate. Okay. So, he can guard legitly one through five. Um, No problem. Except for maybe the burly old centers, like, you know, that, like, were from Shaq's like, Marcus Like, well, yeah, Giannis, you know, Marcus Joel Embiid, like those type of bigger guys. But like, there aren't too many of those guys in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Ben can pretty much have his way with anybody defensively. But you're right, James Harden is probably one of the best five uh, scores in NBA history. You got Will Chamberlain, you have Michael Jordan, you have uh, Kobe Bryant, James, <laughs> James. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't. Can you? Uh, maybe Kareem. I guess you put Kareem above yeah. above 
hard to compare. I mean, like, it, you know, there isn't too many guys. Yeah, it's hard to compare across eras, but I mean, Harden's Harden's right up there with the best all time. Oh yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. I'm not arguing that. Um, it just, uh, I think, if you're looking at playoffs, it differs because we know Harden doesn't. He doesn't necessarily fade away from playoffs like he did earlier on, but he doesn't. He hasn't stepped up in the playoffs yet either. Yeah, um, has been. defense <laughs> has been consistent throughout the playoffs. We saw how much they missed Ben Simmons in the playoffs last year, without you know his defense against the Boston Celtics. Like that was just horrendous. Yeah. So I mean, like, I mean, it just James depends. Has not been bad in the playoffs, though. I I think that would be. It just depends on his yeah. him. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that he's been bad. I'm just saying like he hasn't stepped up in the big moment either. Yeah, well, I mean, Ben and the Sixers haven't gotten to the big moment. Well, they, they kind of did. It's not because of a lack of Ben's defense, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, I understand, but I mean, if we're talking about fit. And next to Joel and Bede specifically, and mm-hmm. like value, like especially like in the immediate future, I think it's pretty clearly James, in in my oh. opinion at least. All right, well, Chris, let me uh, take it a step further. Against KD and Kyrie, who are, let's be fair, probably the they're probably going to be they're they're the presumed favorites in the East because Giannis, uh, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton, I don't think are going to beat those guys. With how deep the Nets are right now, mm-hmm. is is Harden and Embiid enough to compete with those guys in the playoffs? Let's be real. Yeah, you think yes. that they could beat KD and Kyrie, a healthy KD? I don't and know Kyrie. if they would, but they'd be a heck of a lot more competitive, I think, than what the Sixers currently have. See, I don't, I don't know that. See, because the Sixers the right now, are Max Kellerman brought this up on on ESPN first take. There's not many guys that can bother KD. Probably Giannis and Ben Simmons, or maybe LeBron when he's focused, are the only defense. Oh, and don't forget about uh, Patrick Beverly, of course, are, are literally the only guys that can bother Kevin Durant in a playoff series. Uh, let's be that can match up against him well. I don't know why Patrick Beverly is one of those guys, but he is. But that's not the point. The point is, is that. Are you gonna? Are you sure you're gonna outscore KD and Kyrie with James Harden and Joel? Are you gonna have a better chance of shutting down one of those guys with Ben Simmons and, and dominating with Ben and Joel in the post? I mean, like if, if that's 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 KD my thing. Is like, KD, Ben can do all he wants. He's not gonna shut him down. He's like, not gonna shut him down. Turned he's gonna, he's gonna he's gonna make it hard for KD. He's gonna make it work yeah, for. Yeah, and that's I I get that, but like. I don't think one-on-one defense against KD is really going to win that series. And, like, you have but to score enough points to beat him, too. You know, you're still going to have a great back line with Joe. It's still going to be a good defensive team. You can still add, hypothetically, other perimeter defenders via trade, etc. Like, there are, there are ways to, to make up for that. But, like, mm-hmm. you have to s- score with Brooklyn if they're – as good as we think they might be, you got to put up points. And do we really think the Sixers, with very little perimeter creation, as has been the case all the non-Jimmy Butler years of late, do we really think they can, in the playoffs, keep pace with Brooklyn with Ben Simmons on the team as the number two star and Tobias Harris? Like, do we really well, think the that's going to happen? about offense or defense, though, Chris? It's about offense. It's about offense at this point. <laughs> is it? Is it? Because I always heard defense wins championships, and the Lakers were the best yeah, defensive. You have the to best be a good defensive team to win a championship. If they okay. trade for James Harden, they're going to be a good defensive team. James isn't going to like make the defense fall apart. Joel getting hurt would make the defense fall apart. But as long as Joel is there, the Sixers are going to be a fine defensive team. Danny Green I, is I'm still a gonna... fine defender. They got Dwight still on the back. Like on the back line where Joe sits, they're going to be fine defensively. It's offensively, I think, is the biggest concern for this team when it comes to the playoffs. They don't really have a lot of avenues to getting a, a true, reliable, like third star closer perimeter score type. That's just not. I, I have a, I have a suggestion that's not James Harden. I got a suggestion that's totally doable. You guys ready for this? Trade Tobias Harris for Demar Derozan. Get the it Spurs done. Won't take it. The Spurs yeah, they would. DeRozan's on the last year of his contract. 
You yeah, offer exactly. Still you offer two first money. round picks and Tobias Harris, who's younger, that fits their rebuild. I promise you, the Spurs would bite on that. I don't think I, they would. I, I doubt it. A and B. It's still like DeRozan is not a spacer, and it's still not a very clean fit. You put him next to Joe and Ben, and that's going to look really weird in the playoffs. It's just not a. I don't think DeRozan is the answer to all of Philly's problems. I I would still take James Harden ten out of ten. I'm not saying that you take. You know, I'm saying as an alternate, if you can't get James Harden, or if you don't want to trade Ben Simmons, you go DeMar DeRozan. Well, the Sixers a should want to trade Ben Simmons, and b I I I think they can get him. I don't think. Houston is going to turn down Ben in a couple picks. So like, I, there's I, no other I would asset out there. Ben in a couple picks, I would do Ben. If if you're going to trade Ben for James Harden, which I don't think you should, but if you do, you don't give up additional picks. If you're you have up, to to get him, you do. Like, nah, no. I get. I'll give them maybe Matisse Thybul or and or Porcon Corkmas. Yeah, that's it's that's James it. James Harden. So, so I mean, listen, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, I, I, go for it. I, I want to give Lucas, I, I give you an E for effort. Uh, nice try for trying to get DeRozan <laughs> for, for uh, you know, the $40 million man in a couple years. But it ain't going to happen. I'm sorry. But let me just break, let me, to all the people who have been defending Ben Simmons, and I get it, I understand why you don't want to give up a player who's only 24, 25. There's something in basketball known as the triple threat position. And if you've ever played or coached, which I've done both, you teach this to your your players so that they have multiple ways to put their defender on their heels, right? So you're either in a position to shoot, pass, or dribble. Well, when Ben Simmons does that, it's not a triple threat. It's it's just not. And I mean, he's been in the league long enough where scouting reports know what he's going to do. The Sixers are down by, I think, 14 or 15 in the third quarter. And Simmons started posting up. And then he faced his, his man. And instead of a triple threat position, it was a double threat. And, and this, as a result, he turned it over. You put Harden in that same position, pff, it's a nightmare. And he makes the entire team so much better, not just Joel Embiid. So back to the original question, who's a better duo to compete? Not saying win against the Nets. But compete, you got to go Harden, Harden, and 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 beat all day. Yeah, and guys, like I have defended Ben Simmons to the ends of the earth on this podcast. Yeah, he has. I he has. I I I adore Ben Simmons. He is a wonderful player. I fully appreciate his value. I think he's top twenty in the NBA. He's great. There are like five guys you consider trading him for. James Harden's one of them. Like I understand that he's on a better contract. Hypothetically, he's on a longer contract at least. He's younger. I, I get it. The Sixers title window right now is pretty much like shut. They're, this team is not going to win a championship as it's currently constructed. There aren't many ways for them to get better in the near future. And they're going to contend. They're going to be in the conversation, yeah. But in terms of taking the next, next step, it's going to be hard. And not many MVP candidates come around with multiple years left on their contract. It just doesn't happen very often. James Harden is one of those rare opportunities. And I, I do think he helps them compete against KD and Kyrie or Giannis, Chris and Drew and Milwaukee, Jimmy and Bam, what have you. I, I think Philly becomes one of the top teams in the title conversation as soon as James Harden lands in, in at the Philadelphia airport. Like, I, I just think he's that kind of player. And I... I I, I just I can't comprehend not wanting to trade Ben. Like I love Ben, but it's James Harden, y'all. It, it's it's really not much of a conversation in my opinion. It, it's just so, so the, the guys, you guys know my opinion on this. Unless you can guarantee, uh, you know, you're gonna you have a the best shot of winning the East. You don't trade Ben Simmons now. If let's say they can flip Tobias Harris into an actual All Star. Maybe you consider it or, you know, another guy that can get his own shot at a high level. <clears> okay, guys, <throat> they're not going to flip Tobias. He's on the worst then, contract then, then, in then basketball. Then you don't do it. 
then, then you don't do it. And then we're stuck with this team for the next three or four years. They don't do anything. They're a first or second round exit. And then we're sitting with Joel at tw- 30 and Ben at 28. And they've done nothing. That's like a very plausible future that we're looking at. Like It's James Harden. He's one of the five best offensive players ever, as we've been saying. You, you just got to do it. As Uriah mentioned earlier, he dropped 44-17 and 17 the other night. A pretty solid reminder of how just really good he is. God, 44 is Being out of shape and not showing up to training camp. Yeah. Half the team was out. He doesn't want to be there. He shows up and drops 44-17 and 17 with a bunch of G-leaguers. Well, still leaving room for Christian Wood to score 31 himself. I mean, 17 assists would tie Ben's career high. Ben has never touched 44 points in his life. I mean, it's like, it's James Harden. It, it's not that hard. You, it, he's one of the four or five guys you would trade Ben Simmons for. I'm not saying they should just trade Ben Simmons for the heck of it. But it's James Harden. He's in the MVP conversation every year for a reason. It, it's a tough call. I'm 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 not it's gonna not, lie to you, though. Chris. And I, and I like no. I I don't think like I'm looking. I, and this is what a lot of fans are doing. And you can be mad at them or not for this, but we're looking at the long term future. James Harden is almost 32, and yes, he opens your window more. I'm not denying that, but Ben Simmons gives you a much longer window, and you don't make this trade light. Making it to the second round of the playoffs. I don't under like it's going to be very hard before Tobias's contract is up to really upgrade this team in a meaningful way. Like that ship has sailed with with Jimmy gone and with Tobias locked into his deal. There are very few routes to real like I think title contention with Joe and Ben in this group. It's it's just not an easy thing. It, it's not going to happen probably. The East is really good this year. Milwaukee's really good. Miami's really good. Brooklyn, if KD and Kyrie are healthy, is really good. This team isn't a title contender right now. They have the same issues that they've had in recent years with in terms of shot creation and decision-making around Joe and Ben. Like Obviously, the spacing is better, but this team isn't a title contender yet. And one of the very few paths to getting there is getting an MVP candidate and one of the greatest scorers in league history who makes Joe's life much easier. It's, it's just, you got to do it. So you're right. You want to go ahead and get us to the qu- social media question of the week? Sure guys. So when the question of the week was posted, there was pre Cavs game. So there was a lot of positivity <laughs> in the air, but nonetheless, uh, let's pretend like the Cavs game never happened. So the question was, what impressed you most about the first few games when it comes to the Sixers? So there's some really great action shots of Simmons, uh, Maxi, uh, Shake Milton, and a few other players. So if we go on Facebook, our one of our top fans and former uh, site contributor, Chris Kroon, says he is impressed by the bench. He says it's not gelled yet, but it looked like it had defense and offense. He said very promising. And on Twitter, we had a response from our Sixer Sense follower. His name is at top for three. He said, Joel Embiid, the dude can legitimately be in the MVP conversation this year. I have never seen him in such good shape. And the irony, obviously, is he did not play tonight. <laughs> but um, just forget about the Cavs game. Lucas, what's really impressed you so far as a, as a whole? Well, I'll say this. If he did play in the Cavs game, I don't know if we would have still won that game because the Cavs were just firing on all cylinders. Um, that being said, um, it is. I'm going to go with a Twitter user. It's Joel Embiid. He looks like the same guy that was playing with Jimmy Butler two seasons ago. Like, he looks like a legit MVP candidate. And you can tell that he's happier about the situation. He's playing. He's in shape. He's running the floor. He's getting his offense without having to really work from it. And I think it's fair to say that Joel's getting the looks that he wants. Brett Brown either had him on the three-point line or in the post. He didn't really let him explore the mid-range game. And Doc Rivers is letting him do that. And Joel is, I, you can just see that Joel's loving that. So I'm going to, yeah, I think uh, him being allowed to go back to his mid-range game, which I think is really an underrated part of his uh, offensive repertoire, is a good thing for Joel. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I have to agree. I think Joe has looked really good. I think he's back to form. If, if we want to say that last season was a down year, he looks like he's much better and much more uh, determined this season. And Doc has made a point to put a lot of shooters around him in some of these groups, and I think that's helped quite a bit. He has a lot more space to operate with. And while we've said, especially with this Cleveland game, not all of Philadelphia's issues are fixed, I, I do think the spacing and the offensive flow is much better and it has the potential to keep getting better as these guys get used to playing under Doc Rivers. Um, and Joe looks like, like Joe Allen Bede. He looks like, like himself. So that, that's been a really positive thing, I think. I think for me, I think it's been Shake Milton. I, I, you look at him and his, his growth over the past two and a half, three years, He's come a long way, and, and he's put the time and effort in. If you look at how he approaches the offense, and I'll go back, triple threat position, right? So he gets the ball on the perimeter. His defender, they don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to drive? Is he going to shoot? Is he going to pass? I, I think Shake really gives them something that nobody else on the team can give them. I mean, look at the first game of the season. In the fourth quarter, who had the ball in their hands under a minute? It wasn't Tobias. And it wasn't Embiid, it was Shake. So um, give them some uh, some props and some some credit when credit is due. Tonight didn't play that great, but a lot more basketball to play. Yeah, I think we'll continue seeing growth from Shake as well. I do want to take a moment out of this, and my friend, uh, the the same one that works at Raptors, uh, Rap, uh, Raptors Rapture, Mike Birdsell. He had uh, me and him had a public conversation on Twitter. And he's offered, uh, he said, I told, he's like, you guys need a replacement shooting. Uh, uh, guys need to replace Danny Green in the starting lineup. I was like, yeah, you want to trade uh, Kyle Lowry? And he was like, I'll do Kyle Lowry for Danny Green, Mike Scott, Tony Bradley, uh, Matisse Thibel, and two first-round picks. I would do that in a second, Mike, Mark. I would do that in a second, and I hope you guys say the same thing because that would be a steal for the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I probably would too. Obviously, that reason the last year of his contract, but yeah, I mean, I think I don't think Toronto does that, but I do think Philly would would probably do that. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think Masai Ujiri would do that either, but you know, not without Shake Milton being in the deal. Yeah, but that, I mean, that raises the question: Would you do the, that deal if you swapped out like Matisse for Shake? Yeah, I mean, you you trade Matisse for Shake if you're getting a star back. I, I I don't think they're quite at the level where you're like holding out on them in high level trade negotiations. But yeah, I I, I would trade for Kyle Lowry if, if we could, but I don't think we can. So. It's just yeah. tough. Again, like that Tobias contract is is it, it sucks to like keep harping on it all the time, but that's just where we're at because it's such a, a it, it hamstrings the Sixers in so many ways, and it's just really tough for them to maneuver around that. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Is it the worst contract in the NBA? Yeah, I mean it's like it's him and Andrew Wiggins. And I was about to say I would say Andrew Wiggins is the worst. Especially how yeah. his season started out. Yeah, I mean, he's Andrew Wiggins is just like bad at basketball in a way that Tobias isn't. <laughs> bad relative to NBA, NBA players, of course. Obviously, re- he's like better than us. I remember they had this thing in Philly. They were calling it winless for Wiggins. They wanted yeah, oh gosh, to thank God. completely tank worse than we already <laughs> did so we could pick him at number one and not yeah. take a bead. But yeah, that's how far he's he's fallen off. And, well, we thought you know Noel was supposed to be the franchise center, so why get Embiid if you have Noel? So, yeah. But gosh, could you imagine us trying to build a franchise around Noel and, and Andrew Wiggins? That would have been disastrous, right? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't have been great. Uh, we would still be in the process right now, guys, and not even trying to be. This is why I want to win now. This is why fans are saying bring Harden in now because we've been we suffered through so much meaningless basketball and then so much heartache in the past three seasons. I want to win now, and Harden is the answer. I know people just want to strangle me, but uh, get him get him on the floor. Yeah. Get him on the floor. Yeah, like 
at some point you got to push the chips in, right? And the Jimmy Butler trade was sort of that, and the Sixers messed it up and didn't keep him around. And now, like, you got to maximize Joel's prime. Ben sticks around longer, keeps you maybe in the playoffs longer, but like, Harden's not like at the end of the road or anything. He's still 31. He's still got probably four or five years left in the tank of really high level basketball. Odds are he resigns in Philadelphia, frankly. Um, they can give him the most money. He's listed them as one of his preferred destinations. Brooklyn's not going to have like a free max contract slot, I don't think, for, for James in a year. So, like, odds are he sticks around and he gives you a real shot. I don't think the Sixers have a real shot right now. So, I, I agree with you, Uriah. I, Lucas, I Lucas how many more, just objectively, how many more years do you think Harden has realistically of, of good, productive basketball? How many years would you say? If we're going, it depends. Okay. So James Harden kind of reminds me of Allen Iverson, the guy that, you know, didn't necessarily always worked out, but always was like in good shape. Now we knew that Harden did work out before the bubble. We saw, you know, skinny Harden. That was, that was weird. But um, (laughs) if I had to guess, he doesn't have an injury history, but the mileage on his NBA body is considerable. And there's a point where players just drop off. Unless you're Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. Kobe Bryant was stopped by injury. LeBron James invests a million dollars into his um, body. But James's lifestyle is still questionable. So if I had to guess, I'm going to say we start seeing a drop-off between the age of 34 and 35. Okay. Yeah. Right. That, that, I mean, that, the thing with James... Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, but I do think, like, medicine has continued to improve since AI was at his peak. Mm-hmm. Guys are lasting longer now than they were even, like, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, gosh, LeBron, Chris Paul, was on a roster two years ago. Yeah, Chris Paul is still chugging along. Um, he's had injuries in Chris his Paul very long history. Chris Paul caught an alley-oop dunk last season. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and like, up. James obviously relies a good bit on athleticism, but like he's one of the most skilled guys out there. He's extremely strong. I don't think that strength is going to go away. A lot of his like success as a driver is just like absorbing contact. That's not necessarily like pure raw athleticism. That's like strength. Mm. And, like, he needs burst. He needs explosiveness. And that'll go away at some point. But he's a great shooter. He's one of the smartest passers out there. I mean, it's not like he relies completely on athleticism to get by. So even as he does, like, taper off, he's still going to be a really good player, I think, for at least like, Well, uh, Chris, I do want to warn you. You said the exact same thing about Al Horford. You said the exact same thing about Al Horford. So well, just, Horford's just to remind you not about. James Harden. Fair. Fair. I do agree Horford that he is also like he's going to lose that step back jumper. That's what he's going to lose in his game when he loses his athletic burst. He's going to lose that athlete, that bat, step back jumper that he has. Yeah, because he's not going to be able to make that space. Possibly, and like Horford is asked to be the backbone of the defense at times. That's not James is never going to be asked to do that. I, I just they're different players, but. If he, if James is willing to alter his game and become more of a spot up shooter as he ages, become more like Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, then yeah, he could age gracefully. But I think he's going to have to have a Carmelo Anthony Dwight Howard reckoning one day when he realizes that he can't be the guy anymore. Yeah, I mean, and that's all good and well, but like that's also probably comes after Ben's contract is up. <laughs> You know, well, he's he is that guy right now, and the Sixers would trade for him with the intention of him being that guy for a couple, two, three more years at least, and well, giving them a real shot. Let me ask you guys this. If we had kept Jimmy Butler over Tobias Harris, would you even, let's just say that, you know, would you even consider trading Ben Simmons for James Harden if you stopped yes. Jimmy Butler? <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't know. Harden. I don't know if well, I don't know if you would need to because Butler is that alpha player who is clutch and can score from all spots on the floor. So I don't necessarily think you need him anymore. Yeah, and plus yeah. Jimmy Jimmy I mean, would not be happy about James's nonchalant attitude. 
toward practice, towards you know arriving. I mean, I'm I being mean, serious. You're I understand, but like at some point, like I wouldn't really worry about that stuff, frankly. Like I, I think Jimmy would be just fine with James, like coming mm-hmm. in and kicking butt every day. Mm, um, I mean, we, you know, Westbrook, who was James's best friend growing up, wasn't. So I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I, we obviously don't know the full story with Westbrook, but like, Westbrook is Westbrook. James Harden is not Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins. He's, you know, and like I'd consider trading Jimmy Butler for James. I consider trading Ben for James. Like, Jimmy's probably a top 10 guy in the league right now Miami should like not not consider offering him you know like James is just that dude he's that good he's someone you sell the house for it's mm. like there are three or four guys like that and you, you gotta do what you can to get them on your team uh, agree to disagree but I think it's time for Chris for you to play us out yeah, so thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another week's episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, wherever, please leave a review and a rating if you feel so inclined. Um, we really do appreciate you guys tuning in, as always, giving us the time of week to talk Sixers basketball. It means the world. We all hope you had a wonderful holiday season and going into the new year. We hope you all have a happy new year. The next podcast we record will be in the year 2021, which is a pretty wild thought considering uh, the way that time has been warped this year in our perception of it. But yeah, we really do appreciate it. The Sixers have a lot more basketball on the slate, so we'll have plenty to talk about next week, I'm sure. And we have some exciting guests um, hopefully coming up in the future. And we'll see y'all next next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.